Hey everybody, this is Dan Trottencheck, and we have a great podcast for you today. If I do say so myself, I don't think that I have anything to do with that. It's more about our guest. Uh, we're talking today to Jeff Cardwell from Cardwell Do It Centers right here in our hometown of Indianapolis, Indiana. And, and you may have heard Jeff's name before, and that's because Jeff is involved with so many things. Um, and, and we're going to talk a lot about the volunteer work Jeff does, but more importantly, we're going to talk about the concept of servant leadership and, and how no matter where you are in the country or what you do within your company, or quite honestly, whether you're a retailer, a manufacturer, or a distributor, how you can get involved and make your community a little bit better place. And we're also going to talk a lot about peanut butter. So if you want to hear what that's all about, stay tuned. And I hope you listen in this week to our Taking Care of Business with Jeff Cardwell. Today's episode is brought to you by Sacrete. Are you looking to add quality concrete, mortar, and stucco mixes, as well as repair and specialty items to your product lineup? Sacrete provides the tools you need to run a better business, whether that's through exceptional customer support, sales and marketing tools, varied product assortments, or just finding reliable products. Sacrete offers knowledgeable retail experts that understand the needs of your store. To learn more, visit www.sacrete.com slash hardware retailing. Hey everybody, this is Dan Trottencheck. I'd like to thank you all for joining us again for this next installment of the Taking Care of Business podcast. I am here with Jeff Cardwell from Cardwell Do It Centers here in uh, Indianapolis, Indiana, our hometown. And and Jeff and I were just we've known each other for for for, for just a little bit, certainly because of uh, both being in the same town here. But we were kind of catching up a little bit on uh, the fact that Jeff is no stranger to talking into a microphone. In fact, he did a radio program for many years called People Helping People, and that might not be the topic of a radio program that you'd expect to hear from a guy that runs a lumber yard. But uh, welcome, Jeff, and we're so glad to have you on well, the podcast. Dan, it's a great to be with you. It's uh, always a pleasure. And it is good to be back in front of a microphone once again. You know, it's, uh, it's one of those things that once you've done it, you think... Oh, you miss that, you know. It's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, glad yeah. to give you an opportunity. Maybe you well, can become a regular guest on the podcast well, and get you back in the in the in the in the media circuit for a little bit here. Well, well tell tell us, explain us a little bit about how this whole concept of people helping people as your radio program. Uh, you, you know, obviously, first and foremost, you're, you're we're, we're sitting in the in the very nice Cardwell Do It Center, which I said I hadn't been in here for a while, and it's just a great looking home center. So so you know a thing or two about running a, a home center lumberyard tell us about kind of your journey from from lumber dealer to uh running a, a radio program to, to helping other people well you know it really all comes back to customer service and helping people i mean what we do every day in the home building business or the hardware business is we help people you know people come in the door with a problem and you're looking for solutions and and so uh it's all about people helping people. And so uh, years ago, um, I, st I started in this business 1976. So I've been, uh, it's in my blood. I just, uh, I've done a number of different ventures outside of the uh, lumber hardware business, uh, but I always return to this business. It's just one of those things that I just love. There's nothing like coming into an old-fashioned hardware store on a Saturday morning. Yeah. You know, it's a family reunion. You get to your customers become part of your family, sure. and uh, that's what I just love about the business. But uh, throughout that journey, uh, years ago, we would always, um, 
you know, get involved. Whenever there's a natural disaster in the community, there's tornadoes, there's floods, or there's hurricane, hurricanes along the coast or whatever, uh, we would always rally. We try to do our part to give back and help. And uh, it's just been, it's just part of our DNA. And uh, with that, uh, a few years ago, it's been now coming up on 20 years, but... Uh, just a few years. Yeah, in, <laughs> yeah. In, 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 in 2000, we had the opportunity to go on an uh, overseas mission trip, went to El Salvador, and uh, we saw some real poverty uh, that uh, just uh, really kind of broke our heart and said, hey, you know, we want to help, and we can help. There's some things we can do, and got involved in doing that. But I'll back up a little bit, going back to the the late 80s early 90s uh, there's a fellow that came to town here that uh, you might might know the name some of your listeners might know the name of Millard Fuller sure and uh, Millard uh, you know a lot of times today you ask people if they know the name Millard Fuller and they say I, I don't know maybe it sounds familiar I don't know uh, who is he and then uh, you know you go along you tell them a little bit about uh, well you, you may not know the name but you'll probably know the organization he started and the organization he started back in 1976 was Habitat for Humanity. Him and his wife, Linda, started that organization. They came to the Indianapolis area in the late 80s. I got involved with them in the early 90s. 1994, we did our first blitz build here in Indianapolis. And uh, that was where we were going to build 10 houses in a week. And we got uh, a number of our customers involved in it, a number of builders different ones to build these 10 houses. We took on one and we recruited nine other teams <laughs> and it was just a fantastic week. And uh, that's really was the birth of radio as well. Uh, got uh, talking about radio. That's when my radio program started because I was on uh, radio and doing a lot of media blitz, trying to get a lot of volunteers engaged oh, okay. in that big blitz build uh, coming up. And uh, we needed lots of volunteers. And so, uh, he came to town that week. We did the Blitz build. It was a great success, a lot of fun. We had a lot of people active in it. And then uh, after that was finished, the radio station came to me and says, hey, uh, now that we're finished with that Blitz build, uh, why don't we just continue on doing a radio program and talk about different ways we're helping people and helping our community. And so that was the birth of the people helping people. How long did that run for, Jeff? 20 years. 20 years. Yeah, from 1994 to 2014. We were on the air, and uh, it was a great ride. And uh, but the People Helping People Network continues today doing oh, just okay. that with our mission of, of of serving and helping others. But now it's grown into a global mission uh, where we're focused on what we call the Hope Equation. And the Hope Equation is simply this: we do housing, hunger, health, plus education multiplied by faith equals hope. And so we try to build hope here at home and around the world in all that we do. So it's a, it's a continuation of what started in 1994, continued up to 2000 with our first international uh, trip to El Salvador, mm -hmm. and we continue on doing it today. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's been a great, great journey, but it is all focused on helping people. And I think it's a, a great relationship to what we do yeah. every day in our retail business. Well, I, I think it's interesting, and I want to get some more into specifics about what you guys do and have done, but but I, I really think I've been a part of this industry for coming on 25 years now, and one of the things that if you would have asked me 25 years ago that I don't think I would have realized until I really experienced this industry is how many 
individuals who head hardware stores, home centers, lumber yards are also so involved in their communities, but are also really kind of that first line of exactly what you're talking about, help. I mean, when a community is challenged in any way, and we've seen obviously a lot of the natural disasters um, or, or things like that, fires or, 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 or anything, it, it's the hardware stores, the home centers, and the lumber yards, they're really on the front lines of of handing out garbage bags or, or, or opening up to get supplies to do the cleanup or the rebuild. And, and this industry seems so closely aligned with that kind of philanthropy that, that you see that everywhere. And obviously you, you're kind of, that kind of was the start of your journey down mm-hmm. this road is Absolutely. just kind of helping out a little bit. You know? Yeah. It, it is the, the community action center of any community. It, it's, it's really one of the staples such as, you know, every little small town, you know, you got the bank, yeah. you've got the grocery store. But the, the hardware store is really a place that's a staple in the community that people rely on in times of great need. And uh, you're, you're exactly right. It's uh, everybody knows where to go when they need things to yeah. to respond to those natural disasters. And, and like I say, there are natural disasters is happening all the time. It's either the fires, it's the floods, it's the tornadoes, it's the hurricanes, yeah. and it's and it's constant. And uh, we're always on the front line. And uh, you know, the it, it's amazing to see some of the um, hardware store owners and the lumberyard owners that I have the opportunity to meet through the NRHA oh, on yeah. a regular basis. And you know, whenever you do your leadership conferences and mm. or any of the things where you get us all together in round tables, you know, whether it's ACE, it's true value, it's do it best, sure. or just independence, just getting together. It's just amazing to hear the stories of the involvement of what they're doing in their communities. Many of them are not only, you know, small business owners uh, in community staples, but they're elected officials oh, they probably. sit on their mayors or you their know, city county councilors everything yeah, yeah it's just incredible yeah. i mean yeah. uh, they take on uh, multi levels of leadership in the community and uh, i'm just uh, i'm just privileged honored and very grateful to be a part of such a great family of uh, people that are just uh, really engaged in building better communities where we all live work and raise our families yeah and uh, it, it, it's you know when we talk about the hardware store home center lumberyard being kind of the heart of the communities it's one of those reasons why nrha individuals such as yourself mm-hmm. and again uh, people in the distribution community and the manufacturing community are, are are so emphatic about the importance of the perpetuation of independent mm-hmm. home improvement stores because mm-hmm. they they really fill more than that role of yeah, selling just, hammers and nails there's yeah. so much more than just a hardware store yeah they really are they really are the heart of any community um you were doing your radio program, and, and I don't want to necessarily equate the radio program to your time involved in philanthropic work, but um, for about 20 years. Could you share with it? would be interesting. What are some of your favorite stories out of those times of, of, of profiling both things you've done, but other, other uh, companies that have made a difference in, in, in the communities? It was incredible. It, it, you know, every week we would just have different guests on. The word got around. We were... Uh, we called it was the people helping people radio network it was the good news radio station (laughs) we didn't allow any bad news on the radio program it was all about uplifting good stories of people doing great things and we would just uh every week we'd have just uh average guests on the program and 
they were everything but average. These people were extraordinary. I mean, the things that people would be, tell the stories of what they were doing in the communities to lift the community up and helping others, it was just uh, incredible. It was it was the best hour of my week, yeah. every week. It was very encouraging and uplifting uh, to hear this each and every week. And uh, there's just a lot of good news out there. You just don't hear a lot of it, sure. you know. And, you know, I've been very blessed to travel, do the international travel, travel around the world and different things and meet a lot of people. But I got to tell you, uh, whenever you come home it's uh this is the greatest nation on the face of the earth even though you hear all the bad news and the bumps and bruises all the time of what's going on in the news today right. there's a lot of good people that's doing good things yeah. each and every day all around us and and a lot of that is to do with uh, the old-fashioned you right. know independent uh, businesses right in the community that we all you know work with each and every day yeah well and it's so funny sometimes when you strip away whether it's ideologies or whatever, and you just watch, people want to help each other. They want to do the right thing and, and, and help lift each other up. And sometimes all that other stuff seems to kind of get in the way of that. Mm -hmm. But but I think you make an interesting point, too, about how you were really kind of energized by, by travel and, and really seeing that, not to minim, minimize any of the problems or challenges we have in this country, but but when you compare some of the challenges we have to some of the challenges faced in other parts of the world, it's it's truly staggering to look at, at what they're facing, mm -hmm. and, and you're a frequent traveler to those sure. areas that, that yeah. really need that kind of help. Yeah, it just changed my worldview. I mean, yeah, we've got a lot of needs all around us, and we, we address those too. Sure. We have a lot of programs here domestically that we deal with each and every day, and uh, so I, I don't, uh, like I said, I don't want to minimize any of that, but uh, like going to El Salvador, you go to a, a country there and you go and you go out and you see some of the people, you know, most of the people in El Salvador, six and a half million people in that country. It's the most densely populated country in all of Central America. The average income is $2 per day. Yeah. $2 per day is what these people right. make. And you, and you start thinking about how does people live on that and then you go around and you see these people that live in these huts and mud floors and um, they don't have adequate housing they don't have drinking water I mean the average uh, age uh, life expectancy for a male in some of the rural areas in El Salvador is 53 years old well yeah. that's the same as it was you know what during the Civil War time yeah you know it's just a uh, uh, it's it's a walk back in time going to some of these countries and just some of the simple things people think I always thought for a long time you know I'm in the lumber business I'm in the hardware business I'm you know I'm just your average Joe what good you know I hear, I would hear all these people talk about some of the fantastic mission trips they would go on and it yeah. was exciting and a lot of times they would make presentations at the local road, rotary club or Kiwanis club or at a church and thought and it would be doctors and stuff, and they were going out and doing these medical missions. And I thought, well, I'm not a doctor. I mean, what what, <laughs> right. what, what good am I to go out on the mission yeah. field and do this? And so for the listeners that's listening to this, i got to tell you, what you do every day in your business and the distribution of building materials and the hardware industry, uh, your skill set is of great asset to some of these places. I mean, when I was going... Uh, there in El Salvador, they were, you know, building homes and different things. And some of the basic logistics and some of the tools and the needs that they had was so, I thought, well, I can help with this. Right. I, you know, I can, I can satisfy this crisis or this need for them. And it was just uh, very rewarding 
uh, to know that you can, some of the simple skills that we take every day for granted are very, very right. valuable skills in some of these other nations. So it's always, you know, I went there for the purpose of helping and giving back um, to when I, when, I, when I do some of these trips. And what I found out is that it's great medicine for my heart. Yeah. It's great medicine for my soul. I sure. go back and I'm refreshed, I'm renewed and um, it's just a, it's just an incredible opportunity, not only to help other people, but it's good for the heart. Well, and I don't also certainly want to mischaracterize what you've done and what the work the Fuller Center does and what the, the, the uh, uh, programs you've worked with, because we've personally, my, myself and others at, at uh, NRHA have had experience right here in our own town working That's with right. the Fuller Center. and. Yeah. And when you say, what can you do? I, I mean, you know, we, we I mean, I'm going to ask you to talk a little bit about the build that took place down here. Uh, it was a few years back, but uh, but it was a pretty uh, serious undertaking, uh, tackling several houses uh, all at once. And and if you could push a wheelbarrow or, or sling some paint on a wall, you can help out at these things. And and yeah. And I know that uh, I think it was really rewarding for all of us who participated in it at the time um, to just go down there and, and people a lot better with construction than us would tell us what to do. But but help is needed at every level from moving stuff around to, to helping make coffee to whatever whatever you could do during those events. Um, everybody can help. And That's maybe at, you can tell us a little, talk a little bit about the event that I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, that was, it was a tremendous event that NRHA partnered with us on. It was right after uh, the passing of Millard Fuller. Millard Fuller had passed away. And, uh, of course, Millard and Linda started Habitat for Humanity and the Fuller Center for Housing. Maybe maybe real quick you could tell us mm -hmm. how those two are a little bit different and what the Fuller Center does that's a little bit different from Habitat. Yeah, well, the Fuller Center is uh, focused on not only do they build new homes, but we also found that there was a big need for people that's uh, a lot of the baby boomers that maybe own their home and it's free and clear, but yet they're in retirement and they're living on a fixed income and now a major repair comes up. Right. They don't have the money to make the major repair, such as maybe a roof, uh, maybe water heater, maybe a new furnace. Uh, those are things that, uh, you know, they didn't want to be displaced out of their house. So the Fuller Center would go in and do these repair programs and uh, we would do it with uh, no profit, no interest. Right. And we would make it affordable to, to whatever they could afford to pay. And uh, we call that the greater blessing box. <laughs> and the Fuller Center uh, has been doing that all across the United States. And it's been uh, just a, a great, great program that's helped, you know, tens of thousands of people across our country. So th the Fuller Center does a little bit of both. It, it does a lot of the greater blessing box programs and it builds new construction Habitat for Humanity continues to build new construction. They're both fantastic yeah. organizations. And as Millard Fuller, you know, people would ask him, say, well, why are you starting this competing company to, or competing organization to Habitat for Humanity? And he says, well, we're not competing. He says, you know, when we get down to that last poor person that's in need of a house, he <laughs> says, then we'll be competing. But he yeah. says, I think there's enough poor and enough poverty to go around for all of us. Yeah. And he said, there's no competition. He says, we're here to serve and help people. Yeah. So that's the two organizations. And then so after Millard Fuller had passed away, we wanted to do something to honor him. And I sit on the International Board of Directors for the Fuller Center at the time, and I still serve there today. But... Uh, we said, well, what can we do to honor Miller? And we said, well, 
you know, let's do an old-fashioned blitz build. Millard would love that. So whenever we do blitz build, it's usually we would do 10 houses at a time. And so I, it was right after uh, the passing. We was doing a celebration of life. And I said, well, why don't we build 100 houses in a week? <laughs> and uh, that's kind of the reaction I got. Everybody kind of just laughed and said, well, that's kind of dreaming. And I said, no, we can do 100 100 houses in a week. Let's get all of our partners across the country and around the world to join us in honoring Millard. And so we put the idea out there and we started checking. Well, our friends, our partners in El Salvador said, hey, yeah, we'll do a blitz build here. I think we can do five. And we go down to Shreveport. Shreveport says, hey, yeah, we can do, We I think we can do 10 houses here. And we just started going through all of our different partners. And then Indianapolis, we said, we want to be the host site. So we said, well, we're going to do, we're going to take on 10 houses here in uh, central Indiana. Well, it ended up in Indianapolis, we ended up taking on 25 projects. We took on eight new homes and 17 Greater Blessing Box mm -hmm. programs. And it just grew. And before you knew it, we had like 113 homes committed to going up in this week to celebrate Millard's life. And we thought, wow, this is going to be fantastic. And so we started recruiting all the volunteers and the NRHA and all the employees joined us. And we just had a fantastic time. Yeah. At first time, we, you know, we were hoping that we could get on this project here in Indianapolis. We were wanting to get, you know, 300 volunteers to show up. And that first day, we had over 500 that showed up that first day. And it was just an incredible, incredible, exciting experience. And it's just people from all walks of life. And a lot of times people say, well, you know, I can't do this. I'm really not a carpenter. I'm not an electrician. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we hear that all the time. And I say, look, Millard's rule was simple. He said, if you can stand on two feet, have a heartbeat and breathe, you're qualified. <laughs> and then we get the we, then we get the subject about, well, the, the wife would come in and she'd complain about her husband and say, well, you know, I can't get him to do anything at home. I, he doesn't know which end of the hammer to use. And Miller would always say, well, that's okay. Bring him out and we'll stand him at the corner of the lot where we're, all the volunteers are, and we'll use him as a bad example of what not to do. <laughs> so everybody can be used. But, you know, all kidding aside, people, you know, can come out. This is an extraordinary opportunity in yeah. your community. And they can come out, like I say, you can do landscaping, you can do painting, you can do carpenter right. work, you can do roofing, uh, you can do decorating as we're finishing up the house. Uh, it's something for everybody. And every one of the members of the NRHA can get involved too sure. by donating. Just yeah. simple things. You don't have to donate everything for uh, an entire project. Say, commit to the paint, you know, 20 gallons right. of paint to do this house. Or yeah. commit to the lock sets. Give the lock sets. Just be a part of it. Uh, it it's really simple. Some people sponsor the entire house, and that's great too. Right. But everybody's got a role to play. You know, you can just donate windows, doors, siding, roofing, just anything. And, and we'll and, make sure also that we put a link in the description for the podcast so people can go on there and link to get more information about the Fuller Center for Housing and how they can help out. Yeah, so. there's things going on, you know, as we speak. There's projects, and, and if you want to really do something here locally, you can, but if you want to do some adventure travel, <laughs> yeah. they offer op opportunities around the world yeah. for adventure travel. Well, I, I, I specifically remember, and you just had retold this story not too long ago in one of the presentations you did for us, 
about the uh, the lady who was local to that build. That, that Cleta. Was, yeah. Could you share that story with us? It's such a uh, good Cleta, story. About yeah, her. Cleta was such a uh, special lady. You know, we were all out there. It was hot, and, and uh, we're doing all these projects. Glenn Barton was kind of the, the team leader for the Fuller Center out there, and uh, Glenn was working on one of the streets. By the way, we were working. Uh, it's a faith-based organization, and we were building on St. Peter, St. Paul and Churchman, you know, I mean, three streets. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was pretty incredible, but, uh, we were, we were working on this house and we were fixing it up. And there was this lady, uh, an older lady next door to this house. And she just was such a, she was so thrilled that we were, you know, rebuilding her community. She kept bringing over snacks for the volunteers and she would bring water and she was serving everybody. And she was just so happy and just full of joy and so one day at the end of the day she came out and she told uh, she was asking glenn bart and she says hey uh, you know how does somebody qualify for one of these houses or how does somebody qualify to get some stuff done and he said well it's just you know just really just need to ask or just get with one of the volunteers or whatever and she says well she says you think maybe somebody could come and look at my water heater for me and, and Glenn said, well, sure, I could, you know, we could come over. We could take a look at your water heater. We'll, we'll take a look at it and see what's wrong with it. Well, they finish up volunteering that day, and Glenn and a couple other volunteers, they go over to Cleta's house, and they go into Cleta's, Cleta's house, and they look there, and they look in where the water heater was, and they see the water heater's kind of leaning, kind of the floor's kind of rotted out, and and uh, Glenn Asker says, well, you know, how uh, how long have you been without uh hot water and she hesitated a few minutes and she said it's been you know she said maybe it's been four no she says it's it's been about uh five years Jeez. and everybody just gasped they said five years no hot water and she says yeah she says you know my husband and i we built this home some 50 years ago my husband passed away and she says you know, I just, uh, we own a home, you know, I own a home and everything, but uh, uh, just uh, come to some of these major repairs, you know, I'm on fixed income. It's a matter of utilities, medicine, and food. Right. And there's nothing left over. And uh, she said, so she just didn't have the money to fix her water heater. Well, of course, everybody then was just like, Hey, yeah. we're going to, you know, we're all in the neighborhood. We got 500, uh, 500 volunteers running around the neighborhood. And and we said, we can find a water heater. Well, you know, you, everybody gets in there. We call our daughter and we said, hey, can you take your mother out and give us a couple of days? We're going to make some repairs. And the daughter says, sure, we'll come by. We'll do that. So they take um, Cleta out. And, and uh, so all the volunteers go to work. And, of course, they go in there and they start working. And the floor... You know how it is. You start right. on a repair, and all of a sudden, something the, else. The yeah. floor caves through, and and the <laughs> floor joists are rotted out. Well, you know, you you start. You know, one thing goes to another, and the kitchen cabinets are rotted out. And next right. thing you know, we're well. We got to now put in new subfloor. We got to put in new flooring. And well, there's the doors don't shut properly. So we thought, well, we got some doors, and just one thing led to another. And they're putting a new roof on. They put new windows in. They put new door up. They put all new flooring. They painted the outside, and, and new kitchen cabinets. And all of this, I mean, everybody kept saying, "Well, I know where we can get cabinets. Well, I know where we can get flooring, and I know where we can do that." And it just, it was just incredible. Everybody came together. All the volunteers, 
And this wasn't even one of the assigned projects. This just happened right. because she was next door giving everybody water. And uh, by the end of the week, it became the prize project sure. for, for Glenn Barton and all the volunteers because we all knew Cleta's story. Yeah. And it was just incredible. It's just one of those things that just happened. happened. And so... You know, we have all watched the TV show, you know, where move that bus and everything. <laughs> yeah. So we set up some dump trucks in front of our house and we had it all blocked off. And then we had our daughter bring in Cleta that day for the dedication. And and it was just it was just incredible. There wasn't a dry eye in yeah. the place. It was just we had we took Cleta into her house and she was in her 80s at that time. And and it was just like she just couldn't believe it. Right. It was just a new home. And that was just good hearted people just give me back. And Cleta has now passed away, but I got to tell you, the last years of her life were some of the best years of her yeah. life. I mean, it was it was the community really come together to support her. And it, you know, all about, I mean, here's a lady, owned her house, um, good citizen, yeah. good people, uh, just needed to just hand need up. a little help, yeah. Just need a little help. You know, and and obviously you're talking about you know some of the work that took place because of and in and around some of these Fuller Center projects, but it doesn't need to be the Fuller Center. There are so many organizations Absolutely. across the country, or even without organizations, way to get involved. T tell us a little bit about you know obviously you're running a business multiple businesses I know mm -hmm. you're involved in other things outside of the business and outside mm -hmm. of the volunteer work I, I know a lot of people listening to the podcast are going to say I I'd love to help but how do I find the time to do this how do I manage my personal life my work life how does a guy like Jeff do that well, it's just a random acts of kindness. You know, we can all do yeah. that. We can all get involved and make it happen. It's, it's, it's just really stepping forward and say, you know, I'm going to make a difference. You know, many times on these projects, uh, I certainly don't have all the answers. I mean, I, <laughs> you know, we kind of, it's a leap of faith. We step in and we just say, we see this problem and we don't really have any idea how we're going to solve it. Uh, but we we step forward and say, you know what, we're going to help. We're going to do our part, and we're not sure how that's going to work or how that's going to come about or what it's going to look like. But we're going to step forward and we're going to say, you know, we're we're going to fix this, and get on the phone. We start telling the stories like Cleta. Start telling Cleta's story. Uh, we we certainly didn't have all the items that we needed. We certainly didn't know what it was going to cost. But as we told Cleta's story, when you put a face to the story, uh, people say, hey, I, I'm in. I, right. you know, I, want to, I want to get involved. And you can do that all around every community. The Kiwanis Clubs, the Rotary right. Clubs, all the service clubs are doing these. The Fuller Center is across the country. And if the Fuller Center is not in your area, they'll help you launch. I mean, you can just say, hey, I want to launch a Fuller Center and I want to be a covenant partner in my community. And a lot of times that's just how they start. They start in a community where somebody just raises their hand and say, hey, you know what? I want to make a difference in my community. The Fuller Center has all the tools. They'll give you all of the everything you need. They've got a toolbox all set up to help you get started in serving your community and doing the greater blessing box programs or building new houses. 
you can you can do anything in between and that can happen right now you can go to fullercenter.org and you can learn all about it but like you said there's a lot of great organizations so it's not just limited to the fuller center or the people helping people network it's you know there's lots of great organizations and a lot of churches are doing a lot sure. of this outreach i mean there's needs all around us and uh, we have an opportunity to uh, serve others and it's the best medicine you'll ever take for your soul. I'm telling you, it's just it's just wonderful. You and I've heard you speak before on the concept of servant leadership. Do, do you truly think that those two concepts are really inextricably linked? That that if you're a community leader, if you're a business leader, that you have a duty to be a servant leader in some regards. I think uh, to be a good leader, you've got to be a servant first. Yeah, I really do. I, I, I mean, that's. I, I think you've got to, you've got to lead by example. So when there's a need in the community, I mean, we're always, you know, I, I, I step forward and I help and I go out on these projects and do whatever I, needs to be done. Uh, and, uh, but I think uh, any of the good leaders that you look at across our country in business, you'll find that they have a very big passion for serving others as well i mean good leadership starts with service to others and uh, i i think that's uh, i think they do go hand in hand what um if you could give whether it's a piece of advice or guidance to to other you know obviously we're talking to folks in the home improvement industry mm-hmm. but to, to other folks out there that are maybe on the fence about how they get involved what, what kind of piece of advice or nudge would you give them that, that, to, to push them over the edge? Well, don't discount. <laughs> yeah, well, don't discount your value. That's what most people do. They always look on the news and they see the story of this local company that they're building this house and they're giving $50,000 or they're giving $25,000. Listen, I can tell you the most of the donations that come into any of the organizations are less than a hundred dollars. I mean, sure. you look at Salvation Army, you look at uh, the Red Cross, you look at the Fuller Center. The majority of the donations coming in are less than a hundred dollars. So a lot of people get discouraged when they see, well, you know, I can't get fifty thousand dollars, so I can't sponsor a house, yeah. or I, you know, I can't give that kind of money. You know, a lot of times it's not about your money; it's about your heart. Yeah, show up, get, be a part. There's opportunities for everybody. And like I say, in, the, in, in our industry, people that uh, wants to give the lock sets for a house, uh, mm-hmm. you, you, you'd be surprised. There's, just plumbing is a big deal. I mean, we've had a lot of greater blessing box programs to where people are having $200 water bills. $300 water bills, sure. and you go in, you find out what it is. They got a toilet valve yeah. that's running all the time. So you know, a $20 a, fix. A $20 yeah, right, fix yeah. is costing them $200, but they don't know. Or they got a faucet that, you know, it's just running all the time. You know, a $50 faucet. I mean, there's things like that that's happening all around you. And I, I, I got to tell you, you know, you talk about hunger. Uh, hunger is another thing that's mm-hmm. a, a passion of mine. You know, just take the state of Indiana for one. One in six in Indiana today is being fed out of a food pantry. Mm-hmm. We have 1,800 food pantries in Indiana, 1,800 across the state. One in six are being fed. Right. That means 1.1 million people in Indiana is being fed through one of our food pantries. Right. So 
I, I'm just telling you, there's probably people that you're sitting with in church or oh, at the yeah. Qantas Club or Rotary Club. They're probably sitting next to you. That's hurting. There's there's hurting people all around us. And so, you know, we do we get involved in food drives all the time to support our local food mm-hmm. pantry. Every store owner has the opportunity to do that right now. Yeah. They can get involved. They can do a food drive. That's a very important uh, service that you can provide to your community because the need is there. And as you pointed out, peanut butter. Peanut butter. <laughs> peanut butter. Peanut butter. That's yeah. it, it is. It, it, you One know, of the most uh, in-demand foods for food pantries is from it, according to, to, to what you have talked about before. Yeah. Yes, it is. And and you know we've we've done those drives here where we've had peanut butter drives. We've just asked our customers, hey, bring in a jar of peanut butter. Yeah. We're 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 making a drive and trying to get some peanut butter. We have a local after school, before school and after school program of community center of a gal that runs a volunteer center. And, you know, a few years ago, I go over there and I, I ask her, I said, you know, it was around Christmas. We just took in a bunch of toys and everything else. And I asked her, I said, so what is your biggest need? And real quick, without hesitation, she said, peanut butter. Yeah. I said, peanut butter? I mean, she could ask me for anything. I could ask me for money. She could ask me. She said, no peanut butter. I said, well, why is that? And she says, you know, a lot of our kids here don't have any protein. They don't right. get any good meals and the kids love peanut butter and jelly and she says you know people donate a lot of canned goods and different things but peanut butter is expensive yeah so people don't donate peanut butter she says i need peanut butter for my kids right and uh, so we just on a regular basis do peanut butter drives and you'd be surprised so a lot of times we overthink it or we think that it's you know more than we can give sure and it's the little things, the little stuff like that matters. Well, and as 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 this is airing, we're going into the holiday season, and 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 the needs for things like that in the local community is is intensified certainly during the holiday season, and in particularly in areas of the country where it gets colder, which makes just about everything you know certainly in the house uh, is yeah. amplified with with heating um, and, and so on. So. So, so now is certainly the time. This is a great time for people to get engaged and get involved. I mean, toy drives are going all, all around. You know, uh, Toys for Tots with the Marines, you can partner with them. Sure. They've got great programs. They'll come into your store. They'll come in and, and be a part of that with you. The food drives, it's a big thing. People think of the food drives. When they think of the food drives, a lot of times the first thing that comes to mind is third world countries. Right. No, it's in your backyard. It's right where you're at. Well, and so people can do it and get involved. It's amazing when you when you throw out a statistic like you just did, thinking about it when you when you take your kids or grandkids to school and there's 30 kids in that class. Chances are, you know, five of those kids are are being fed out of food banks and, and they're hungry. Exactly. And one thing that you cannot do, you cannot teach a hungry child. Yeah. And you know, they, people talk a lot of times. What can we do for education? Well, I can tell you, <laughs> we can start with nutrition. Yeah. Nutrition at home and helping to rebuild the family foundation uh, is going to go a long way with helping our education. Yeah. No, absolutely. Those the, the ripple effect and uh, is is certainly one that, that that's tangible. Um, wh- one last thing, and you brought this up uh, that I wanted to make sure we mention is. You know, in your position within this industry and as a business owner and all the vendors that you deal with, because I know we have a lot of vendors, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, manufacturers and distributors that listen to the program. 
and and the partnerships that you've even helped forge with those kind of vendors. I know it's been incredible. One, uh, one in particular, we would have to have to give a shout out to is the folks at Steel who 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 oh, have been incredible. so not only incredibly supportive of the independent retailers, but incredibly supportive of of other initiatives and with the Fuller Center particularly. They just made a very major donation a couple months ago to the Fuller Center. Absolutely, uh, the Steel Corporation. What they've done for independents and supporting. Uh, independent we stand yes. that that's incredible i mean you know uh, independent businesses you know they are the backbone of the united states yeah. i can tell Absolutely. you in some of my other roles officially and different things i can just tell you that uh, the independent main street is critically important uh, to the workforce across america but still has been a fabulous partner in giving back uh, you know you talk about uh, you look up uh, good corporate citizenship in the dictionary you're going to see steel yeah. uh, so they i mean they they are uh, great partners and just made a, a fantastic donation of uh, battery powered lawnmowers yeah. to every new home that the fuller center builds in uh, you know throughout the next year is going to get a steel battery powered lawnmower major thing too. it's you a don't major think thing about it well but. It, it, see and a lot of things we just take for granted as homeowners we take for granted and think, well how, why is that such a big deal well you're giving a, a, a lawnmower to people that's never been a homeowner before right. so you know i i still tell the story before you know we've had back on our project on the miracle on saint paul street you know where we dedicated these homes we built these houses and and uh, these people moved in and it was fantastic and people love their house and everything well six weeks later you know we go by and some people are complaining because the grass is a foot tall or yeah. you know and and so we go and we talk to the people there that got the house and and they're just so thrilled with their house and they love it and say well you know um, you got to cut your grass and they look stunned and they say oh are we supposed to cut the grass yeah and they said yeah you're supposed to cut the grass they didn't know. They right. didn't. They'd never been a homeowner before, sure. so they didn't know that they're responsible for cutting the grass. So, you know, but a lawnmower is an expensive, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, project. So, uh, but so this donation is means a lot to a lot of people. But a lot of the vendors, I mean, are very giving. I mean, I can go on and on from Owens Corning, uh, you know, John's Manfield. Uh, I can, you know, it's just. Uh, well, Delta, just Delta take, falsets. Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of them just take a, a, a broker or are waiting for someone to ask. And, and that's another bit of encouragement to the retailers listening out there is ask. It, ask all of them have some programs. Sure. All right. of them, I, I mean, Sherm Williams has been fantastic in donating paint. It's been incredible. So, I mean, all of your vendors have these partnerships and they yeah. love to get involved yeah. in these community projects. I mean, from Quickset Locks to Slag. All of those people will get involved. All you simply have to do is ask them. Right. And uh, and so if we could kind of leave the program with, with anything, it would just almost in some ways be a challenge to, to everyone listening out there to, as we're headed into the holidays and starting out a new year, is to look for ways that you can become more involved 
help your communities. And, and I'll say it again, I know so many of you do that, but look for, if you did something last year or the year before, look for the way you could do one more thing maybe this year. And, 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 and Jeff, thank you so much for pointing out how little things, a peanut butter drive, challenge everybody to do a peanut yeah. butter drive for the holidays and, and give that to your local food bank, just those little things that can make a huge difference. It's the best way to put joy in your holidays. If you really want to have some real old-fashioned joy with your family, your employees, and your company. Get out and serve some others, and I'm telling you, there's nothing better, nothing like it. Great. Thank you. Hey, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on Dan, and talking about you. this. We'd love to have you back on soon. Love to. And we're going to put some information, as I said, in the description for the podcast so people can contact some of these organizations. And, and, and thank you again for everything you've done and everything you continue to do with all the volunteer work. Thanks so much, Jeff. Thank you, Dan. I just wanted to make sure everybody listening knows that if you're an independent home improvement retailer in the United States or Canada, you're already a member of the North American Retail Hardware Association. And so that means if you're a hardware store, home center, or lumberyard, and you're independently owned, you're already a member of NRHA. And the NRHA has been in existence since 1900 and serves its members in a variety of ways, from Hardware Retailing Magazine and our two podcast series to exclusive research and events, the association is here to help you become better and more profitable business owners. So we encourage you to make sure you take advantage of the services that are available to you that can help you better compete. To learn more about what NRHA does for you, make sure you visit us at www.nrha.org.